Welcome to Leaving a Legacy, a podcast focusing on the legacy format and the New England magic experience with your host, Adrian. I, and I think Tin Fins is just, um, it, it, maybe it's crack. And Jerry. I'm going to say two things to you right now, and they're going to contradict each other. Now we take you to the Red Room, where round one pairings have been posted. Welcome, everybody, to episode eight of Leaving a Legacy. I'm Adrian, or Mathematrickster, on Twitter. Uh, with me is Mr. Jerry Me. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And we are just returned from GP New Jersey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what would you think, Jerry? Uh, I thought for such a large tournament, and as unwieldy as large tournaments can go, I thought it was great, you know, really well run. Uh, I, but I don't really expect anything less of Star City Games. Uh, you know, they get a lot of flack for being the big big boys and, you know, the the boogeyman of the store scene, but they really do know how to put on an event. Yeah, what was there? Uh, was there 4,200? I think the final count that I was seeing from Decklist anyway was like four th- just breaking 4,000. Yeah, so what it was is there was like close to 4,200 who actually signed up, but when round one started and all was said and done, there was uh, about 4,003, I think the final number was, because about a little under 200 people just signed up for the swag and then dropped. Right. Yeah, I saw one person uh, registering 75 islands. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess if there's a basic land that you want to play in Legacy, that's the one to go with. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so there was some of that going on just because... When you added everything up, the price of admission was worth it. It was $50 to get in. Uh, the Batter Skull token alone is a $20 value. And then Playmats Day of the Event were selling on eBay for 90 to 120 uh, I haven't checked them recently. Not sure where they ended up settling, but I wouldn't be surprised if that it's 150 by the end of the year, like the Tarmogoyf mat from... Uh, Eternal uh, Weekend? Yeah, Eternal Weekend last year. I, I, I would say those two have will probably have very similar prices. Mm. Then also, what I was shocked at is just the brainstorm deck and box. I saw a vendor selling the uh, deck, uh, the deck box and the sleeves. Excuse me. Uh, I saw a vendor selling those for thirty five dollars. Wow! Yeah, I was shocked when I saw that. Huh? So definitely was worth the value though, just to you know register seventy five islands and then drop. Well, you know there was a, there was a couple of guys from this area too that were going down there that don't typically play Legacy. It was kind of interesting because. I know one of them, um, supposedly one of them was pretty big on promoting the format originally, and uh, he, I know he hates the format. Like, at this point, he's so uncomfortable playing Legacy. Um, but he we still went down there for the Brainstorm playmat, and apparently he sleeved up Burn, and apparently I don't know that he won a single round. Oh, I'm kind of surprised that. Burn, if Burn was well-positioned in any Legacy tournament, this was it. Just... Right. I mean, it was, it's definitely a weaker blue-red, but it, it's geared towards the meta just because everyone's running, uh, cheap, easy-to-kill creatures. Mm-hmm. So, that's when you can really tell a good burn player is a burn player who knows when to play the control ro- uh, role. When they stop pointing the bolts at the face and start pointing at the creatures, because sometimes you just need to stabilize and then draw enough cards to finish them off. 
Um, so uh, one of my good buddies, uh, he's been playing Burns since uh, about, I want to say Odyssey is when he picked the deck up. So fairly expert level with the deck. And he actually went 6-3, uh, and three, not picking up his three losses until rounds 7-8-9. Uh, and nine. Whoa. So definitely a good uh, metagame for Burn to play in. So, so out of curiosity, you know, the, the guys that showed up just for the playmat, right? Mm-hmm. What was your first round? Because uh, <laughs> I figured, like, you know, like, it kind of, some of them will shine through in the first round. Yeah, the wild, wild west of, uh, legacy. I, my GP didn't go that well just because I fell victim to the, uh, variants of the format in general. Um, I sleeved up, uh, blue, white, red, stone blade, um, more controlling than, uh, BBD's version that ended up winning. Mm-hmm. Um, I was running, uh, Jace's and Vendillion Click Caracas combo. Uh, just kind of a little bit more controlling, but, uh, more aggressive than the creatureless blue-white-red deck that I've been testing coming, uh, coming into the GP. Okay. And, you know, night before talking with my friends, trying to figure out, uh, you know, what I should, uh, put for my sideboard. I ended up, uh, cutting some Grafticker's cages because I wasn't expecting to run into that much graveyard, cut some wear and tears because my mirror game was good enough. Mm-hmm. And round one, I versed Manalus Dredge. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yep. As, as is to be expected, whenever you cut Graveyard 8, you run into Manalus Dredge. <laughs> so, <laughs> lost to Manalus Dredge. Oh. Uh, round two, I versed Mud, another just random deck of the format. Okay. Um, which actually, uh, a version of Mud, uh, top aided, so it looked like it was actually probably a, uh, good, uh, good uh, tournament for it. Well, how does so how does the Patriot Stoneblade match up against Mud? I mean, is it, is it a good matchup? Uh, it's pretty good. He just ranched me game one. Uh, he goes, I didn't I didn't know what he was playing, but I kept like Stoneforge, Swords, Plowshares, Lightning Bolt, but no Force of Will. And he goes, Ancient Tomb, Grim Monolith, uh, Trinisphere. Yeah. <laughs> and I had two lands in hand and didn't draw the third land uh, until I had been beaten down by a Phyrexian Revoker. Phyrexian, oh my... Okay, yeah, he, right. yeah, I didn't draw a third land for ten turns. Oh boy, he was just punching um, you for two every turn. Yep, but then game two, uh, I just, you know, made sure to, you know, keep, I luckily was able to keep, uh, both hands games two and three with a force of will, uh, with a stone forge, uh, turn two. Mm-hmm. So if you just put a little bit of pressure on them and then have hard counter magic, uh, you know, daze and spell pierce and those don't really go through, but I was also running a main deck counter spell and then I had uh force wills when I needed them. So okay. if you're able to either force the Trinosphere so you can actually play your game, or the really easiest way to beat Mud is to counter their threats. Because Mud is a one two deck. It is half ramp, half threats. Mm-hmm. So don't try fighting their ramp and try fighting their threats because you're just going to end up losing. Just pick one. And you kind of have to get the lead <laughs> on them. But yeah, exactly. as far as, you know, what you should do, you know, uh, he, he missed a land drop, I should be countering this metal worker, or he's been dropping mana things like crazy, and now he has no cards in hand, and he's ta- in top deck mode, I should probably counter this uh, worm coil engine. Hmm. No, see, um, I was I was giggling because I keep playing this non-interactive deck, 
Like it's like, I, I I keep playing ten fins, and when I I ended up facing a metal worker deck, and I just pull Serenity out of the sideboard, and he has no chance. Yep, that too. I mean, that's also just the blowout. Uh, so yeah, Mud round two, I I beat that easily. Uh, round three, I versus Dredge again because oh, man. That, that's Cosmic Karma. I didn't I, face it once. How did you face it twice? Uh, that's just the way it is. When you cut graveyard hate, uh, oh, I did end up winning that matchup though, just because. Uh, I've practiced the dredge matchup a lot because most people with dredge feel that you either have the graveyard hate and you win or you don't and you lose but dredge is actually a fairly easy to stop deck if you have counter magic let me me ask you a question here if you bounce your baddest gold does the germ token dying trigger the the, the removal of of bridge from below no, because tokens never actually go to the graveyard, which okay. is what Bridge looks for. Um, also, Bridge says non-token creature. Uh, actually, if for you, let me look it up real quick. I know for if you control the bridge, it, it doesn't count. Um, because I thought there was, I thought there was something in the past with that, but maybe that was just a question that was asked in the past, and I couldn't remember the answer. Yeah, I've never seen that play before. Um, so I'd be surprised if, if that's how it works. But I was able to beat Dredge just by countering all their, uh, you know, careful studies and faithless lootings and the right counterspell in the right spot can really shut them down. But I think the, uh, the crowning achievement of, of, uh, that match was, uh, he has his graveyard fully loaded. He's been dredging a couple turns, uh, has some bridge from lows, has Icarid and zombie tokens in play. And he has Dread Return with Grizzlebrand in the graveyard. And for those who don't know, Dread Return is sack three creatures, uh, flash this card back, uh, and you can reanimate a creature from your graveyard. Mm-hmm. So he sacks three zombie tokens, uh, goes to reanimate Grizzlebrand, and as a spicy one of, I had a misdirection in my deck. So I misdirected the, uh, Dread Return to his Stinkweed Imp. So instead of getting a Grizzlebrand, he got a 1-2 Flying Death Touch. Oh. And I just held him off from there and actually ended up decking him for the win. Yeah. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, round four, I lost a Storm. Uh, just didn't have the right counter at the right time. He ended up empty the, Warren, uh, empty the Warrens on me, which I was prepared for tendrils. So that didn't really work out. Mm-hmm. And then round five... Uh, versus a player from Germany uh, playing Bugstill. And we actually ended up going to time, which would have knocked us both out of the tournament. So I just decided I would, uh, you know, try and rack up some good karma and uh, scoop him in to see if he could go further. Yeah. And that uh, that pretty much uh, ended my uh, GP, you know, competitive experience. Uh, what about you? How uh, how things go for you? Well, um, all right, so I sleeved up ten fins. Um, of course, because actually I didn't even sleeve it up. I just I've still had it sleeved. <laughs> um, I've been playing that deck for a while, and I decided I didn't want to go down there playing Blue Red Delver. I had Blue Red Delver together from um, the Die Hard Games Bunch of Duels tournament, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to play. I figured I didn't want to play what would probably be. And again, you know, I'm not terribly familiar with GPs or anything. This is like my first legacy GP that I've been to. Um, but I didn't want to play what I figured was going to be half the room playing the same deck. And yeah, and I, with, you know, with that said, I could assume that I'm going to be playing the same deck as half the room. Only I'll be playing it worse. You know, so I figured I'd take right. a deck that I was more familiar with. 
I, I was actually surprised at how few Blue Red Delver there was. I feel everyone had the same thought as you. That's why I didn't run Blue Red Delver, is I felt everyone else was going to be running Blue Red Delver or running the deck to beat Blue Red Delver. Exactly. exactly. And I, I actually didn't see any Blue Red Delver uh, day one. The only Blue Red Delver I saw in the entire weekend was one person I played in a win-a-box side event was running it. Hmm. So... There was, um, I did end up facing Rug Delver, I faced Blue Red Delver, I faced... Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, sorry about that. That's all right. <laughs> my, my computer was just like, and we're going to restart for now. <laughs> yeah, it's, pro- yeah, it's probably asking in the corner, restart now or later. Let's see. Alright, so where did we leave off? How did my day go? Um, yeah, you were talking about uh, your rounds. Yeah, so my rounds were, um, my round one opponent you know, he was just there for the playmat, and we sat down, and I could kind of, I, I was hoping he was just there for the playmat, <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, you know, I, I had ten fins sleeved up, um, and I figured I didn't want to go playing what half the room was playing. I figured half the room would be playing Blue Red Delver, and the other half of the room would be targeting it. So rather than playing Blue Red Delver worse than the other people who were playing Blue Red Delver that knew what they were doing, I would just play the deck that I been playing for a year that I'm familiar with. So I so I went with Tinfins. Um and I figured with people main decking Pyroblast playing a black white combo deck wasn't gonna be a bad idea anyway. Yeah. And uh so my round one opponent I was hoping was gonna be somebody who was just there for the playmat and uh he was and um he let me know that that um he just figured he'd sleeve this up and see how it went, whatever his deck was. And uh I let him know that I was going to be really hurt if he just crushed me and dropped. But, um, <laughs> I felt bad. Uh, both people on either end of me uh, had, you know, the walk-in by because neither of their opponents showed up. Okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> there I am playing Manila Stretch round one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had an opening hand, um, and just in case anybody's not really familiar, Tin Fence is a turn one deck that will take Grizzlebrand out of the graveyard and storm out with a whole bunch of stuff. And... I had an opening hand that was a turn one kill, provided he didn't have force of will. I had everything I needed, um, and I was on the draw. And he was on the play, and he played a turn one Swamp Raven's Crime, which lets me discard the card that I choose. So I, yep. dis- I discarded Grizzlebrand, and then went into my turn and killed him. Um, <laughs> and then game two was about as fast. So I kind of, you know, half and half. I, I, f- I felt bad also because... I really hope this wasn't the guy's first experience in Legacy, is Grizzlebrand kills you turn one. Yeah, it's like the stereotypical why people don't play Legacy, is yeah. because, they, because they think every deck in Legacy is that and it's just very few decks in Legacy are that way, it's just because they're as flashy as they are, they're what people remember. Right, and and you know, with that said, that yeah, Grizzlebrand is a turn one combo deck that like does crazy stuff, but it's also a deck that I really ended up taking, I think, 4-3 before before I dropped, um, and it, it wasn't, you know, it, apparently the Planeswalker points for playing there were um, to a point where everybody was telling me I'm stupid if I drop, uh, because just playing gets me almost biased to the next Grand Prix that I go to or whatever, which, right. which um, I'm not terribly familiar with anyway, and I really like playing, and I figured, you know, even going to the GPTs in advance... Um, I figured the first two rounds were probably going to end up being against kind of decks like that, where it wasn't, it's not like, I wasn't expecting to go in facing like, I don't know, 
um, what Brian Brown to BBD ended up winning the thing, right? So I, I, out of 4,300 people, I figured that's not going to be my first round <laughs> opponent. Right. <laughs> I know? mean, that's, yeah, that's why buys are so expe- uh, important. You know, everyone says buys are important, but, uh, but they don't go into the finer details of it. It's not just that you get two free wins in the beginning. It's about the decks that you verse. Uh, because legacy is so diverse, uh, and you try and tune for the meta, you know, you tune your deck. People are running main deck Pyroblast to deal with Blue Red Delver, but none of that matters if you verse Dredge Mud Dredge for your first couple of rounds. Right. <laughs> so you need those buys to get those two free wins so that you start in round three so that you're already playing the good, you know, the decks I don't want to say. For. Yeah, the decks are tuned, you know, the high, the decks that are expected to do well. You can still verse Dredge and Mud going in later, it's just your chances of versing that like homebrew where the person isn't really trying to win the tournament. They're just trying to you know show everyone how much That's fun they're having. Right, right. But if they'll just like ranch you game, uh, you know, round one of the tournament if you're not prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why the buys are just so important is because it gets you out of, you know, as as our friend group likes to call it, the Wild West of uh, Legacy. Right. Uh, it's also one of the reasons why losing round one is one of the worst things that you can do just because it puts you into that loser's bracket where you're versing all of those homebrews that also lost round one. And if you're tuned to beat the winning decks and you're only playing losing decks, you're not going to do very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had the perfect storm of just what not to do. I didn't have any buys. I lost round one, and I versed nothing but weird decks for the entire day. I didn't play a single normal, like, tier one deck until I was already in the playing for fun mode where I versed the mirror match uh, round uh, six. Okay. I know there was another guy from around here who went down, and it's it's... I don't... It, it's it's kind of strange to, to see this happen sometimes where... um. You know, somebody will grab what's, what's, this must be the best deck and this is what I'm gonna run and I'll just study the sideboard tech and, and I'll go do phenomenal, you know, but there's like so many intricate plays between all the different decks that I can't imagine doing that myself. You know, like this, and, and that's one of the things I like learning is the interactions of different decks. Um, but, so, after I, after I faced the guy who made me discard and kill him, I ended up playing the next round against Burn. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, crushed him. Um, I ended up, because he has no way to interact with a turn one life gain deck. Yeah, well, it depends. It depends on how tight your play is. Because I've seen Grizzlebrand players lose to Burn because they are on eleven and they'll pay seven to sure, uh, draw seven, and then their Burn opponent fire blasts them. Yeah, they get a little zealous or a little greedy. Exactly. Uh, so you have to be very aware of your life total versus burn uh, playing a Grizzlebrand deck. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's not even so much burn. It's like any deck, Young Pyromancer deck, for example, this uh, Blue Red Delver deck. If they have a Volcanic Mountain up, they probably have a Chain Lightning in hand. You know, it's just it's anything like that. That you or, know, or a Lightning Bolt, just because Chain's yeah. Uh, Sorcery. Yeah. Well, it, it it's easy to play around Lightning Bolt. Like most most players will play around Lightning Bolt just because it's so prevalent. Not many players will know to play around uh, Fire Blast. Okay. Um. So. I ended up beating that burn deck. Then I ended up playing against Rug Delver, lost to him. Ended up playing against Metalworker. He got me game one. Um, you know, he wasn't really terribly sure what I was doing. I think I started with a Gataxian Probe and a Ponder, so he figured I was on Ad Nauseam Tendrils because mm-hmm. I fetched out an Underground Sea. Right. Um, he landed a very quick uh, Chalice at zero and Trinisphere. 
um, and I couldn't really do anything, and I ended up dying to, I think, a Cadaltha Forge Master. Uh, the second game I sighted in Serenities, sighted out Probe, sighted in Chain of Vapor, uh, managed to just reanimate Grizzlebrand fast and sat there. He got enough artifacts to um, use the Forge Master and get out a Platinum Angel, which I bounced and hit him anyway. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't deal with that. And then the next game I actually landed Serenity and blew his board out. Um, yeah, <laughs> which pretty nice. Oh, and you know, thanks to Aaron, I have so much practice against the Metalworker deck anyway. But right. but every round I would see Aaron, and in between the rounds he would say, "Did your opponent have Force of Will?" And I, uh, no. Did you win? Yeah. You know, and then like the next round he'd see him. Did your opponent have Force of Will? Yeah. Did you win? No. You know, and and, <laughs> and but I I don't feel like I lose to Force of Will, but him doing that every round kind of pointed out to me that I'd just lose to Force of Will. <laughs> or at least it keeps me fair somehow uh, I've, yeah I so I also got my tin fins fixed this weekend on day two uh, you let me borrow tin fins for a uh, win a box which mm-hmm. I appreciate because I hadn't played tin fins in a while so it was definitely good to uh, it's fun <laughs> shake, shake the cobwebs off but yeah so I agree with you it's it's all about what deck the force of will is in if the Force of Will is in a Sneak and Show deck, you can easily beat that. If the Force of Will is in a Bug deck, that's another story. I ended up losing to the Bug deck because it's what's backing the Force of Will up. You know, Force of Will keeps you honest, doesn't let you combo off turn one, but it's the one-two punch of Thought Seize and then Deathrite Shaman that just are the nails in the coffin that you can't get through. Well, the Bug Delver, yeah, the Bug Delver deck is rough, um, but it's not... You know, none of these none of these matches are actually unwinnable. I mean, some of them can be a little bit more challenging, and you really got to know the deck well. It, it's some of it's a play on silence. <laughs> yeah, it, some of it's a play on silence. Just you know, um, feeding them out in advance. Um, but with that, the uh, and, and chain of vapor is actually exactly. There's, there's enough things that can actually hinder it, but. Um, what it, so I ended up beating the metal worker, and then for the first time since playing the deck, because originally I, I, you know, a while ago I was playing Shardless Bug, and I was able to quit smoking cigarettes for a while, which was good because that deck was a long game deck, um, mm-hmm. until it got to the point where it seemed like every round I was paired against Burn, and when I'm doing Shardless Bug and I crack a fetch thought season, I see Fire Blast, Lightning Bolt, Lava Spike, and I'm holding Force of Will. I know the game's going to be over quick. Right, right. And um, so, and that was when I put Shardless Bug down and I started playing Tin Fins again. I just decided to go to Lifelink. And at the GP was the first time in probably a year I lost to Burn with Tin Fins. Mm-hmm. It was just a very random thing, but um, it was uh, it was just as much redundancy as the deck has. I just I guess wasn't getting pieces because by the end of the game he had six lands in play and I only had one. So. That's um, that's that's how that's how that ended up for me. However, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but there was actually somebody who went 58th at the Grand Prix with tin fins. Yeah, I saw that. Did you see? And, now, and what he did was tin fins with a Doomsday package. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even look at the Doomsday package. That's hilarious. Oh my God! Now I can't um, I can't imagine myself um, trying to figure like. It's taken me long enough to try to figure out how to play it the way it is, or, you know, the way I've been playing it. But to try to figure out how to play Doomsday, I believe that's a whole nother skill set. Like that's that's not. Um, 
Doomsday among the, you know, old school legacy players is considered the hardest deck to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, Kristen Carter on SCG wrote an article, uh, about a year ago on Doomsday just going over the lines and it is just one of the most complicated, complicated decks in the world and mm-hmm. it, it, it's really popular in Europe. Just because your uh, Europeans love their storm, they love their doomsday. Okay. Um, you know, if most people, if you think storm is complicated, uh, doomsday makes storm look like just white weedy aggro in comparison. Well, you know, and here was here's, here's a couple of things. Like, apparently, I guess you got out Emrakul off of a shell dock isle. Which yep, that's which, one of the lines. <laughs> yeah, they, they have like five different ways they can kill you. Um, now. I was outside at one of the rounds, and there was a, a bunch of guys. You know, I, I, I've been able to hear my own accent recently, so it's kind of interesting. But there were a few guys that were sitting around talking. I was trying to figure out where they were from. I'm thinking Texas, and and uh, it turned out they were from, I think, North or South Carolina. I believe it was South mm-hmm. Carolina. And they, and they were really cool guys. And uh, they were talking about, you know, one of their friends put together a homebrew deck that apparently looked like from... Not my words, but apparently looked like a hot pile of garbage. <laughs> and uh, but he brought this deck, and I, I guess he was beating some people with it. And they were trying to see if they'd put him on coverage. And apparently, one of the guys from SCG looked at it and said, "That looks like trash." Um, yeah, we'll see what we could do. And uh, it was—I can't even remember the interactions of some of the cards. But they said one, and even I went, "Oh, that doesn't seem good." But like, um. So apparently these guys these guys were cool though and, and we were talking about the decks that we were playing and I mentioned I was playing ten fins and one of them was like oh yeah you, you're smarter than me then that's a complicated deck I'm like not really you resolve a dark ritual and the game's over I'm like it's not really terribly <laughs> bad but again I think I've taken it for granted now that I've been playing it so long you just kind of get used to it you know what I mean and some of it kind of does become well in, uh, you know these Delver decks with lots of force of wills I want silences because I need to keep sucking counter spells out of the hand as fast as I can right um, right and, and the bug Delver deck has been really the bear for me but aside from that um, I did a, a little bit of training I did a little bit of purchasing um, I put a couple other decks together How, did you did you do any trading? Uh, yeah I did a little bit I actually got my credit card frozen uh, because I was going around to all the shops and I did a lot of haggling that's my big thing at the GPs um, I'm really into haggling with the dealers I ended up getting <laughs> so, Jerry, uh, Jerry doesn't pay retail <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know who I am <laughs> uh, but yeah so I, I like the one of my big purchases I wanted to get was uh, my own Caracas because I'm always borrowing Caracas. Okay. And Caracas was 150 on the floor, and I ended up getting it for 120. Uh, it was actually hilarious. I haggled a vendor down to 120, and the vendor next to him was buy listing it at 125. Really? There was a yeah. I saw a vendor there that had a stack of them for 120. Oh really? Were they uh, were they Italian? Because I actually went around looking for Italian copies, and someone uh, early on uh, Saturday went around the room and bought every Italian Caracas in the room. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, so I ended up getting an English one for one twenty, and the English ones are going for about one fifty now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I haggled for that. Uh, haggled. Got. I traded a uh, foil young pyromancer for two. Uh, two Mox Diamonds, just because I want to put together a uh, Crucible of Worlds Mox Diamond uh, uh, go- uh, well, Goblin Goblin Welder deck with the okay. uh, 
with the artifact land, so that's kind of a homebrew I'm working on. So I traded for that. Uh did a lot of haggling. Uh, you know, had just, you know, the the usual good day two scrub out day. Mm. Uh, uh but yeah, it was it was a good time. Definitely spent a lot of money. Oh, but yeah, I got my credit card frozen, that's what I was thinking of. Got my credit card frozen because Going around the store, haggling, uh, dropping money at all the stores, and uh, it looks like because all the vendors are from different states, it oh. looks like I'm dropping money in you know Georgia, Texas, Florida, New Jersey, you know, dropping five hundred dollars in five states in five minutes. <laughs> and my my credit card company froze my card because I thought it got stolen, and the numbers had just been plastered all over the internet. Mm. So I had to call them up uh, in the middle of a transaction and uh, uh, got them to unlock it. But I managed to get that all taken care of. Uh, finished my set of Fetchlands. I now have a play set of every Fetchland. Oh, cool. And uh, I got the original Onslaught ones uh, just because I wanted... I already had Polluted Deltas and Flooded Strands in Onslaught, so I just wanted to keep that going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, uh, finished that off. Got some stuff I needed. Did a little bit of trading. It was, it was a good time. Uh, what about you? Well, I ended up... Uh so, I did end up, uh, I picked up a few cards, some things that I had gotten rid of in the past that I wanted to pick up again and start playing with. So, I did not pick up another Sword of Fire and Ice. Um, it, that thing's like $40 now, and I know it's due to the Blue uh, Lover decks and stuff. I was shocked that it hit $50 yesterday. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's definitely a high demand artifact right now. Um, because of the blue red delver decks, but it's not something that, like, I mean, I don't play Stoneforge Mystic, right? Mm-hmm. But I did um, somehow a little while ago. I picked up a couple of them. So down at the GP, I picked up the other two. So now I have a play set of Mystics again. Um, you know, the at the GP we get the foil batter skull, but I don't play foils, so I got a regular batter skull. Uh, um, <laughs> I, I I did pick up a. I think I pick up picked up a sort of feast and famine. Because yeah. when I was playing Stoneforge, that actually had enough power for me to enjoy. Um, but, you know, I know right now it's not... I mean, that was better when Shardless Bug was stronger. Yeah, Feast and Famine's really for the Tarmogoyf, because you need a way for your Batter Skull to punch through a 4-5 uh, Tarmogoyf. So that's why in the Stoneforge decks, most of them will run Feast and Famine over Fire and Ice. I think Fire and Ice is just really popular because it's considered the best, you know, in a vacuum sword. Maybe, but like, for, you know, for me, just mostly the aggro decks that I've been playing lately have been Merfolk anyway. So a, a lot of times I'll just play a true name nemesis to deal with a Tarmogoyf. Right, and Sword of Feast and Famine's the quickest clock out there because of the extra two damage you can just point at their face. Yeah, and it seems a little bit more, like, the the only the downside, you know, and after my round one at the Grand Prix, the downside to Feast and Famine is that sometimes somebody just might want to discard. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, that may not be the best thing in the world. But I, I, I wanted to have more than just the batter skull, so I picked up a Feast and Famine. I did not pick up a Fire and Ice, um, and I'm not even terribly sure that I want to actually be playing with Stoneforges right now, but I wanted to have them again anyway, because with the release of that Commander deck, maybe there's something in there I want to mess around with. Um yeah, they seem to be hinting at it uh, with that uh, copy equipment card for yeah. one. So, yeah, I, I was talking with some people on Twitter about this earlier today, about people are wondering if Stoneforge is going to spike now since it had such a huge showing at the GP. And the general consensus is probably not. Stoneforge is 
not really move that much lately. Uh, it, you know, people who want to play Stoneforge already has them. So in order for Stoneforge to spike again, they would just need to print an even more bonkers equipment in a new set that we haven't seen before. Sure, sure. Uh, but, you know, short or, of that... Or unbanded in modern. Yeah, or unbanded in modern. Yeah, I mean, that, that apparently seems to be what happened with Tarmoglyph. Right. It is kind of hard, though, uh, to imagine a, a better... Uh, equipment than what we already have, you know. We, you know, we name what you really want to do, and we, you pretty much have access to it. You have a creature in Batter Skull, uh, you have utility and removal with uh, Jit, and then you can pick from any of the swords in order to, uh, you know, fit your needs as far as protection or, you know, side abilities. Well, part of it may come down to what else goes in the deck that actually, you know, hinders other decks like Containment Priest, you know, for example. But so, so I ended up, I did end up picking up the. Um, the Stoneforge Mystics, and I am not terribly, um, like, I, you know, you had gone around to all the vendors, I guess, with your credit card out, <laughs> just to swipe me here. Um, <laughs> I, I, well. I, didn't, I didn't necessarily do that. You know, what I ended up doing was I went to the ATM before I went down there, and I just took out as much cash as it would let me, uh, twice. And then, um, you know, went down there and figured I didn't have to blow it all. You know, I could just save, not spend, you know, it, I, I wasn't terribly concerned about it, but I don't like using my card out at places, you know, especially, um, especially something like that, but I did have to change my mind, because at one point I came across, uh, I was looking Saturday, I, I was debating about putting elves back together, but I had gotten rid of my Glimpse of Nature's, my Natural Lotus, and my Gaius Cradles a while ago, mm-hmm. and I was debating putting elves back together, I had one Glimpse of Nature that I got recently, yep. and, uh, I figured I'd pick up the other three, you know, that's, and I got those with the batter skull and the sword. And then, um, I figured I'd see if I could find natural orders at a good price, and I'd see if I could find Gaius Cradles at a good price. So Saturday night I actually came across, uh, two Gaius Cradles in one of the vendor's cases. One of them was 110 and the other one was 120. Ooh, that's, that's pretty good prices for those. Yeah, and I figured, well, I'll, I'll get them in the morning. And when I went back in the morning, they were oh, gone. Oh, never do that. <laughs> never do that. Well, they were gone. So I did end up finding a play set of Japanese gays cradles. Oh, nice. Yeah, they were actually uh, cheaper than English ones. All the English ones that I saw, these were actually cheaper, and it was a play set of them. So I figured, all right, well, I don't play foreigns, but they're all the same card, and it's a gayest cradle, so screw it. Um, yeah. I mean, they're so, selling. They're that, selling for Star City for just shy of two hundred. So that's really, yeah. A single I Gaius mean, Cradle. Yeah, single. Well, a Japanese one. Okay. Uh, the English English one is sold out at one eighty. Wow. Well, that's actually pretty good because these were a hundred and fifty a piece. Yeah, I mean, GP, if you're looking to purchase a big ticket item, GPs are the best places to do it because you have all these vendors that you can compare and contrast prices for, uh, so you have selection, and they're priced to move. Mm-hmm. You know, no, no vendor's gonna bring cards to an event without the intention of selling them. Right. So they'll knock a couple bucks off of what they would have on the website and then on top of that if you're you know I have no shame so I'm comfortable with haggling Mm -hmm. so you can get even better deals off of them whereas when they're sitting in their store they can hold on to it for as long as they want because you know they're at the store anyways whereas at the GP all right, we need to sell this uh, we need to sell as much product as we can as quickly as we can this weekend in order to pay for the booth because I was talking to one vendor and SCG was charging them like 
$8,000 for a booth spot at yeah. the GP. Yep. So they need to really recoup that, uh, that money. So they'll be willing to part with, uh, product for cheaper than they would, uh, if they just were selling it in their home store. Mm-hmm. And there's, um, you know, and there was, so I ended up picking up the playset of Gay's Cradles. Um, there was a guy there that I knew was foiling out his elf deck. So I figured I'd ask him if he had any of the non-foil cards that he would trade. Or, you know, yeah. Trade, sell, whatever. And uh, he, what he was looking for to foil his elf deck, he wanted a, what was it, a foil wooded foothills. Um, and he wanted the Onslaught version. And he was willing to trade a place set of natural orders for it. So I don't have any foils, but I just went over to one of the vendors and bought him a foil Wooded foothills. Yeah. <laughs> so like, all right, so that works out for both of you. So there's my play set of glimpses, my play set of natural orders, my play set of gayus cradles, and you know, Sweet. so at that point, what is a play set of green sun zenith? You know, that's uh, cheap enough. Yeah, if you need them, I have. No, green, I got those too. I, well, I have like the rest of the deck. I was putting together elves too, and then I bulked at getting Gaia's Cradles. So I have all of elves except for Gaia's Cradle that have just been sitting in my trade binder doing nothing. Yeah, I might have interest in your virtual arrangers. Yeah, yeah but definitely. Let's, let's, let's see. I mean, I have actually I have the 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 deck complete together now. Actually, right now I actually have together elves, um, blue red Delver, and blue white Landstill. Nice. That's one of the beautiful things about Legacy is that you can start putting a deck together and then because it's eternal you can just put it down until you feel like putting it back, picking it back up again. Oh, so yeah. I have so many just like half constructed decks that are just waiting for me for the, you know, the money and the time to actually finish them off. Oh, if if I get frustrated, I just may take a, you know, I just may pick up tin fins again and go, "You know what? <laughs> I'm going to do this a little bit." Just cuz that deck is that deck is uh it's a it's it's funny cuz when I'm frustrated, it's a great deck to play because it just lets me get frustrations out because it's just a completely quick combo deck that does, like, nonsense. And then if I lose to it, I'm frustrated, but I forget what I was frustrated about to begin with. So right. it, like, it alleviates my problem on both sides. It's <laughs> it's a funny deck. Um, but aside from that, so I did end, and I also ended up leaving with um, a Savannah. Yeah. Ooh. yeah, I talked to one of the vendors. You know, he had a bunch of dual lands, and actually, this is um, there's uh, one of the vendors there is usually really good to deal with anyway. And um, you know, all the prices are marked, and and he's like, you know, they're all negotiable. So like, it would have been your favorite place to be. Yeah, you should have pointed <laughs> him out to me. You know, I mean, one of the vendors there, his prices were so low, he he wasn't negotiating, but his prices were ridiculously low. You know, he, uh, was that uh, Z- uh I, I, I don't even Zach. remember the names. I forget what his last name is, but he's Zach sells magic on uh, Twitter. Yeah, he's he's a super nice guy, and I like tried haggling with him, and he's like, well, I mean, sometimes we do, but we already just marked these super low, and then I just started looking up prices, and I'm just like, yeah, these are actually probably the prices I would haggle you down to. Yeah. So I'm fine, pay- like, I'm fine paying sticker price on this. Yeah, I think I noticed. I think he had like foil sh- judge promo show and tells for like sixty bucks. Yeah. Oh, the, he's the one I finished my uh, onslaught fetches with. I picked up a playset of wooded foothills and a playset of uh, windswept heats, and they were like uh, the onslaught versions, and they were twenty three dollars a piece. Jeez, with, the foil. Like, no, no, these are regular. Oh, oh okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, regular. But I mean, it's like other stores were selling them for thirty and thirty five. Okay. Yeah. 
So I'm just like, so I figured, you know, it was worth it. So I, I definitely picked those up. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can haggle as much, but you should also just recognize the deal when you see it. Yeah, I mean, these guys, they got to make a living too. You know, they yeah, gotta, exactly. And like, like you said, eight thousand dollars a booth for three days. They got to, you know, what eight thousand dollars? They'd actually have to um, buy four thousand dollars in cards and sell twelve thousand dollars in cards just to break even. Right, exactly. Um, I mean, I, I. Pretty sure all of them broke even just because I the amount of cash I saw changing hands. Uh, pretty much everyone there was selling power, and I saw quite a few pieces of power move. Uh, so I mean, just selling one or two pieces of power can just cover that eight thousand dollar bill. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Like that's uh, that's that's beyond the scope of my wallet. But the, <laughs> um, you know, the, the scope of my wallet, I guess, is uh, four gays cradles, and then I'll just sit there for a year um, and see what I want to play. But it, yeah. it it actually it's kind of cool because it gives me a little bit of chance and a little bit of options where, um, you know, I can I can play with my son and he could grab the elf deck, he can grab ten fins, he can grab blue red delver, I can grab you know any of the three, and um, you know we can bounce some matches back and forth and we'll probably end up doing that with some elves and blue red delver just just for you know and you know before I went down there for the for that bunch of duels at diehard games I went down to uh, Wonderland Comics and I picked up a couple of fork bolts. Uh, just to finish Blue Red Delver, and I think they were like, I don't know, a quarter a piece. Oh. I got, I got down to GP Jersey, and they're five bucks. <laughs> oh, yeah, they hit seven just after the GP. Oh, yeah, my God. <laughs> Rainstorm Brewery guys called that spec a while ago. I was, I picked up as many as I could at a dollar, uh, but I could only find three of them, just because everyone else had been picking over them, too. Oh, jeez. Uh, Fork Bolt just, it's the new Inquisition of Kosselik. You know, Inquisition is in that same, uh, deck. Yeah. Uh, not same deck, uh, set. Yeah. And it's just one of those uncommons from a couple years ago that are really good, uh, and people didn't really hold on to them because they didn't think they would be that good. And now people want them and the price is just skyrocketing. It, it, it's, it's, it's gotta just be, I think it's gotta just be for the short term though, right? I mean, this, this is only just, this is only because of Blue Red Delver. Right, it's the same with Inquisition of Kostelik. Um Inquisition of Kostelik hit about, I think, 10 to $11 at its peak right. because people were using it as an alternative to Thoughtseize. Right. Thoughtseize was $70, $80, so the people who couldn't afford Thoughtseize were playing Inquisition because yep. it did pretty much the same thing. Yep. And then uh, Thoughtseize got reprinted in Theros, which drove the price of Thoughtseize way down, but also had the side effect of bringing Inquisition way down too. So Inquisition's like three dollars now from its height of eleven. Is it? Um so Fork Bolt is gonna be the same. Uh a lot of people suspect Fork Bolt is just gonna be in Modern Masters two, which is just gonna tank its price. Hmm. Um so if you have Fork Bolts, I would definitely move them. Uh definitely secure that profit, get that realized gain in place. <laughs> or or be okay with the quarter that you paid. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you're playing with them, hold on to them. But if you're someone who picked up, like, 30 copies, uh, definitely move those as quickly as possible. Huh. Boy, that's weird. Actually, now that you mention it, it makes me think that, it, you know, I, I've still been thinking about doing that blue-black Omni Show deck, and I should probably just start playing uh, in whatever deck I'm playing, more Inquisition of Kozilex, because that will just shred a Delver deck. Yeah. Um, the problem with Inquisition is that sometimes you want to take the Force of Will, and you can't take Force of Will. Right. But uh, or sometimes you want to take the Jace, but yeah, you're right. It definitely well, the, it, the Blue Red Delver has been playing Jace. No, but it's the decks that run Inquisition Kostlek are the fair decks because the de- the fair decks want to get rid of their early threats. Right. The combo decks like Reanimator and Omni Show right. want to be running 
Thoughtseize because they want to be able to strip their uh, Force of Wills and their other uh, cards that just shut them down. Yeah, or duress. You know, like Ad Nauseam Tendrils are under us. Right, exactly. Um, and, and that's also just because the life gain matters in uh, aggro decks too, mm-hmm. whereas combo decks don't really care about their life total. It's just 20 or 0 mm-hmm. is all they care about. <laughs> right, right. Uh, whereas the fair decks, that 2 damage can be the difference between a win and a loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. So what else? We had... Um, oh, jeez, now I'm all lost. Uh, well, I have something actually I wanted to talk about. What's that? Uh, my favorite deck from the top 16 was from uh, Ely Cassis. Uh, do you know Ely? No. Uh, he's an incredibly good player. I uh, met him occasionally a couple times. Uh, he's from the Pennsylvania area, but uh, so Josh Sissio, uh, the player in our area, you know, probably considered one of the better players in the area. Uh, a lot of people in the area look up to, you know, his play style. Mm-hmm. Ely is the person that Josh looks up to, who gets, Josh gets his deck ideas from. Okay. Uh, and even Jerry Thompson was tweeting about, uh, Ely, uh, just as like the master deck builder. Mm-hmm. But, cause he just puts together some crazy out there decks that are just awesome. And he came in 14th place with Grixis Control. Okay. And he drew a lot of eyes because he was actually running two copies of Dak Faden in the deck. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So Dak Faden definitely makes uh, Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time that much better, uh, just filling up your graveyard. Um, so I actually wanted to do something like that, but didn't get you know a deck to list together quick enough uh, for the GP. But... Yeah, Dak Faden, Young Pyromancer, Snapcaster Mage. He was running main deck Notion Thief. Uh, and basically the deck is just a Grixis Control with, uh, Force of Wills, uh, Lightning Bolts, Counter Spell. Uh, he was running Sudden Demise, which is the commander card, which is one red X. Choose a color. Sudden Demise deals X damage to each creature of the chosen color. So it can easily be a one-sided wrath versus uh, blue-red. So that's from the new commander deck. Uh, let me see. I believe it's 2014. Yeah. Let me double check here. I think it is. Yeah. Uh, it's actually 2013. It's from. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, and so maybe that's uh, from the Mindseas deck. No, not the mind. Yeah, no, Mindseas was Grixis, right? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yep. So sudden demise is a sick card in that. He was also running Cabal Therapy, Young Pyromancer, which is one of my favorite combos. Uh, because you play the Cabal Therapy, trigger Young Pyromancer, oh, yeah. sack, sack the token, uh, flashback Cabal Therapy, get another token. Okay, that is cute. Almost as good as your Veteran Explorer, but yeah. Almost as good as Veteran Explorer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, his deck looks sweet. I may actually sleeve this up for Sunday and run this at, uh, uh That's Entertainment. Do you have the deck Fadens? Yeah, I was I was fortunate when Conspiracy came out. I really liked Dak Faden, so I picked up a couple of them at uh ten dollars. Okay, wow, well, yeah, I didn't even realize they were they were ten then. Because like I know when they came out, Dak Faden seemed to really go up, and I've been waiting for him to drop. And then down at the GP, I was finding them for twenty bucks. I almost grabbed a couple just because I still want to try it in Sneak and Show. I still want to try them in general. Yeah, I really like him. He he hit ten dollars for the briefest amount of time. Like he hit ten, and I immediately scooped them up because I figured that's the cheapest he's gonna get. Yeah, where else are you uh-huh. gonna find them, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, what's shocking is uh, foil copies. What would you say a foil copy of Dak Faden is? It's only in this random set that I haven't even opened a pack of. I don't know, a hundred and fifty. 
Ah, close two hundred and fifty dollars for a foil Dak Vaden. Well, thank you, Vintage Storm, right? No, <laughs> like uh, it's just it's Dak Vaden's gonna be really interesting for the finance people to track as the years go on because it's the first time we've gotten a Planeswalker that's only legal in this specialty set. Now we have the Commander uh, Planeswalkers, which are similar, but they're much easier to acquire because you know when you're getting one. Right, if yeah. you buy the green deck, you know you're getting the green planeswalker. Right. Dak Faden, you could open a booster box of Conspiracy and not get a Dak Faden. He's it's it's no guarantee, so it's gonna be much harder to acquire him. Now are they still are they still printing Conspiracy? I mean how how are they gonna do that? Because they're gonna be printing the commander decks um as long as there's demand, right? Right, there is no more printings of Conspiracy. That's not to say they won't bring it back, but it's highly unlikely they'll bring Conspiracy back. Okay. The thing with Conspiracy that's also going to drive the price up of Dak Faden and the other cards only from Conspiracy is Conspiracy was kind of a flop for Wizards. Mm-hmm. Not many people liked it. I personally loved Conspiracy. Me and my friends have been drafting it a bunch. We actually have two more boxes to draft. Okay. But people, I guess, just didn't really like the multiplayer aspect. There's... Not that many competitive players that like playing multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So because of that, Conspiracy didn't get drafted that much at uh, FNMs or anything like that, just because it was so difficult to organize. Sure. So you have the new players who don't really understand Magic that well, and now you're going to introduce all these special rules. And now you have the entrenched Magic players who know the rules but don't really like this different version. Yeah. Um, so Conspiracy didn't really take off that well, so there's a bunch of Conspiracy boxes just sitting on shelves. Like, I was walking around, and I, uh, I was seeing stores selling uh, Conspiracy boxes, and you could tell it's like, Conspiracy box, 120 and then it's X'd out, Conspiracy box, $100, and then it's X'd out, Conspiracy box, $90. Show me Fallen Empire's prices. Yeah. <laughs> so... But which is crazy because there's so much value. Stifles, oh yeah, foil brainstorms. Yeah, yeah, you can get foil brainstorms, foil source of plowshares, donations deeds, explorations. There's so much value in that set. Not to mention, cube players love the conspiracy and hidden agenda cards. Okay. So if you get foils of those, those are worth money too. Um, and then there's also just all these. It's chock full of legacy playables and foil legacy playables that people want. Mm-hmm. So if you see a good deal on conspiracy, I would definitely pick it up. It's definitely worth holding on to for down the line. I could easily see some of these. I don't think um, the packs are going to be super expensive unless all of a sudden people, you know, unless this cult following of conspiracy drafters pops up kind of like the way Modern Masters had. Modern Masters had the double demand of just having great cards, but also it was just one of the best draft formats of all time, so people loved getting boxes to draft. Mm -hmm. Uh, If if Conspiracy develops like a cult following of people who love drafting the Conspiracy format, which I hope because I love drafting it, I think then the prices of packs are going to start creeping up. Uh, and I don't see Dak Faden going down ever, unless he's reprinted in another specialty set. Right. Now, what did they do? Twenty-four packs in a box for conspiracy. Um, they didn't do thirty-six. I'm not sure. I thought they did it as like an eight-man draft set. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because you can get a box of conspiracy and perfectly draft eight people. Okay, so yeah, twenty-four in a box then. Okay, huh? Uh, no, it would be uh, thirty-two, wouldn't it? Eight times three. Uh, oh, yep. Yeah, no, you're right. I was thinking sealed. So you're right. Oh, you're talking to math and a trickster about numbers now, buddy. Uh, of course. <laughs> I should I should know my place. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just fucking around. Uh, uh, 
Um, but yeah, long story short, Dak Faden looks sweet. Um, the deck I'm brewing with him is actually a uh, Grixis uh, Metal Worker, not Metal Worker, Goblin Welder deck. Just because Goblin Welder plus Baleful Strix equals hilarity. And I really liked the new uh, Planeswalker, uh, Dimitri, the Goblin Welder Planeswalker, that has the discard up to two, draw two, and then sack an artifact, bring an artifact from your graveyard back into play. So that plus Goblin Welder can just equal a really fun Grixis control deck. I uh, don't know how competitive it is, but it, it looks super fun. Yeah, I'm looking for, I am looking forward to getting back into the little local metagame. Just the, um, you know, playing some different decks and trying some different stuff and, and not doing like, uh, I don't know, nine rounds. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's cool. I'm, I'm glad I, I'm glad I went playing ten fins because if I was playing like nine rounds of a deck I didn't know, I'd have just wanted to shoot myself. Right. You know, right. It, it was, it was, it was definitely fun. It was, um, um, yeah, I don't like the fact that I came back sick, uh, but <laughs> but you know, I well, what ended up happening was I went the Sunday before. Uh, I'm ready to go down and to the local meta game and play and have fun. And uh, I went outside to my car, went to start it. It started and died. Did it five times, and I realized I wasn't going to make it in time. I had to get the alternator done. So since the alternator is done, I might as well pre-reg for New Jersey and just drive there. Um, so it was, uh, even though I missed the Sunday meta, I was able to play a full, uh, un- as much as I wanted for three days, which was, which was cool. I ended up, I made it down there Friday and did some sealed events. Did you do any of the sealed? No, uh, I didn't get down until, uh, like 9.30 on Friday. Uh, I had a test for work. Uh, it's what I've been studying for, why I've been so stressed out in the last couple episodes. Yeah. But good news is, yeah, I, uh, I passed. It's called the Series 7. It's basically the, uh, the license for a stockbroker. Okay. So I'm a licensed stockbroker now. Uh, and I took that on Friday, immediately went from the test, drove down to New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> Celebrate! <laughs> Yeah, I was I was ready to go. I, you know, may have uh, may have stopped at the liquor store, picked up a few nits for the ride. I, I wasn't driving, so I had the luxury of just chilling in the back seat That's and just good. you know, riding my uh, my good humor all the way down. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was didn't get down there Friday to really do anything, just uh, hang out with people and then wake up early. But uh, Sunday, I got to do a couple winner boxes, uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, sometimes it's it's good just to do that, you know. High stakes, all or nothing for a high payout. <laughs> I I never liked the feeling of that because I always have a feeling like out of these eight people, four of them just got in together to split the box anyway. So I'm like, you know, it's it's, it's oh, you're being paranoid. Yeah. Come on. Oh yeah. Well, that's what I am, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah. I'm just running the numbers. That's all. Yeah. Um, the the thing with that though is that's the perfect spot for tin fins. Um, decks like Tin Fins, uh, Storm, Charbelcher, those decks are great in winner boxes because those decks, you know, if you enter Tin Fins in a, in a winner box, all you need to do is get lucky twice and then split the finals. Oh shit, you're right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so it's like decks like Charbelcher and Tin Fins get worse as the tournament goes on just because the probability of you bricking uh, goes up. Right. The more matches you play, the higher the probability, which is why consistent decks like 
Stoneforge and uh, Esper and all those do well in the longer tournaments because they consistently put up the same result over and over again, whereas the high-variance decks do really well in the short term. So if you only play three rounds, it's a lot easier to get lucky for three rounds than it is to get lucky for nine rounds. I never thought so, about that. So yeah, that's why I wanted to borrow tin fins is because you know I just want to I just want to ranch some people, <laughs> mm-hmm. and unfortunately I lost in the finals. Uh, I feel I could have won though, uh, just unfortunately uh, you, you were standing bes- uh, behind me. Uh, you know I had the call of nature during the finals, oh, yeah. and I'm just like I'm just like oh man, uh, I, I could like sit here and like be tricky and just play this out and like play around him, or I could just jam it right now and see what happens. <laughs> I'm gonna jam it. No, I lost. Okay. <laughs> and the other guy's probably thinking he must have nothing because he's squirming in his seat really bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, I have to pee. Oh my god. <laughs> well, you know, and it was neat too. I, did Did you get the chance to meet Celso when we were down there? No, I still have yet to meet Celso. Okay, so so well, here's what I'm thinking: is the two of you? I've never seen the two of you side by side. Maybe you're actually the same person. I don't know. But um, I also did get the chance. It was cool. We got the chance to meet Chewy when we were down there too. Oh yeah, that was fun. Yeah, and I get to I get to actually thank him for his help. I, when when you were doing the tin fins in the Legacy Winner Box, um, you know he came walking by me and said hi too, and I'm like, hey, how you doing? I'm just watching. You know, I'm watching Jerry over here. He's he's uh, playing tin fins in a Winner Box to crush people, and he's like, that sounds terrible. I'm walking away now. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, he looks nothing like his comic, like his cartoon character on Facebook. Yeah, I was expecting actually Chewbacca. I was I was slightly disappointed Chewbacca. I was expecting come. shorter. <laughs> I think I was just expecting shorter. He looks more like a little kid in his little <laughs> cartoon. But uh Yeah, it was yeah. it was a good time. I don't know I don't how can I put it? I, d- I don't regret going. I had fun going. Um I think my son would be more interested in heading down there now. But I don't think uh, it's not something that I'm looking forward to going to Seattle for. Did you notice that? Yeah, I'm going to book my ticket. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I am I, all set. Uh, well, for there's a new rule at work uh, where because people were just taking off every Friday for four straight months just to get, like, three-day weekends for four months... At work, there's a new rule where one week of our vacation has to be blocked together as like a solid as a solid week. Okay. So that was all the incentive I needed to say. Well, I guess I'll book that during GP Seattle. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I'm going to Seattle. <laughs> like I, I, mean, I love Legacy, and uh... I'm going with two of my two of my really good friends. The way we look at it is. We're not going just for the GP. You know, I've never been to the West Coast, so I'd really like to see the Pacific Ocean. So sure. we're going to make a week of it. We're not just going for the weekend, like fly in Friday, fly out Sunday night. Mm-hmm. We're going to like fly in Wednesday, leave Wednesday, and just, you know, ex- get the entire experience. And it just so happens there's a GP going on at that time. Yeah, and that would be kind of cool. But, you know, I think for me, and again, um, you know, from SCG Worcester and GP Boston, and now. Um, GP New Jersey there was a guy there from Brazil and uh, I got the chance to run into him again at GP New Jersey and he's he's a really cool guy his name was Mario 
and uh, he kept he kept telling me he was excited to see me, and he's like, "You got to come down to Brazil. You got to come down to Brazil for the GPS. Um, you know, everybody thinks it's expensive. You got to come down to Brazil." And I'm like, "They have GPS in Brazil?" And he just looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, "Well, yeah, yeah. there's GPS everywhere." He's like, <laughs> but he's like, "You got to come." So I think if I was actually going to take a trip, as much as I love Legacy, I don't think I want to see how cold and wet it is in Seattle. Like Seattle, like Seattle <laughs> seems like a really cool place, and I'm sure the Starbucks is great, but Starbucks also doesn't really appeal to me. Like I, I mean, see, like Seattle, there's things other than hipsters and Starbucks. Oh man, like okay, I don't want to knock Seattle because I really don't know it. It's just it's not. I don't. It's not the tourist destination for me. You know what I mean? Like, plus, plus they just had some favorable legislation passed. You know that has everyone really happy. Yeah, so. that'd be a great way to get me arrested. <laughs> let me, oh man, let me tell you. Let, let me tell you how fast I would sell all my fucking cards. <laughs> certain, certain things don't happen well in. Uh, just just because something's legal doesn't mean it's a good idea for me. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But yeah, I would like to you know want to get a little more uh, financially independent to just kind of go to these destination GPs. You know, there was a GP going in in Madrid at the same time as GP New Jersey. I would. You know, here we are hanging out in you know the quote unquote armpit of America, and other people are you know lounging on the beach in uh in Spain. Mm-hmm. Being close to home. I mean, for me, once I, like. All right, Central Mass is is my comfort zone. You know, this is this is uh, this is my home is where I grew up. You know, once I start getting outside of Central Mass, I'm really dependent on my GPS and my phone. You know, I managed to find that Brooklyn Pizza place down in New Jersey, and that place, yeah, that was that was good. <laughs> that was a real good pizza. Yeah, that was a really good place. Um, but like, once I start getting out of my zone, like if I have my car with me, I'm okay. You know, one, like if I start. You know, I went to Kentucky a little while ago, and it was cool. I could rent a car and find my way around and stuff, and that was kind of neat. But the, um, it's just, how can I, how can I put it? It's it's about being in control. I'm the same way. Like, I really like having my car when I go on trips, just because I like knowing that it's my car. I can take it where I need to go. When you are, you know, hitching a ride with someone, you're really dependent on them. It's and if you want to do something and they don't want to do something, well, you're kind of out of luck. Well, sure. But that, so then the trips end up coming down to all right. There's a flight. There's a hotel. I want a rental car. I'm gonna have to eat now. The entry fee to the Grand Prix is like fucking minimal compared to the rest of that shit. You right, know what I mean? Right. So like, I, like I would be more inclined to go to like GP Vancouver, um, just because <laughs> I could drive to it. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was the best part about uh, GP New Jersey is I traded uh, a foil pack of negation for gas and, <laughs> and a couple of other like random cards and stuff for the hotel. What, so you, I paid fifty dollars the entry fee. Okay. Well, there was the best part about GP Boston. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's right in the backyard, so yeah. oh, I'm here. I, I can grab breakfast and then just fucking head on over, and it was that was cool. But there's um, so, so New Jersey is probably the I, I I you know I didn't go to GP Washington DC, you know, and, and that was another legacy one. And I think missing out on that, I mean, you guys were convincing me to go to this anyway, especially you know you would convince me big. Kind of last week, and, and Celso too. Um, yeah, that that I should really go. So I figured I missed the last one. Definitely did want the brainstorm playmat. So I'm glad. I'm, Value town. It's just <laughs> well, you know the thing. It's it's still sitting in a tube, and it's um, untouched. It's and it's uh, 
I don't even know that I'd want to touch it. I think for as long as... I don't know, man. I'm probably going to keep playing on that Death Rate Scotty playment until the thing falls apart. Like that's yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I have my heavy meta Kraken mat that I just use no matter what. Um, I just kind of have made it a tradition that every GP I go to, I keep at least one of the mats because eventually I just kind of want to quilt them together and make one giant table mat. <laughs> that way you can have a big mouse for your computer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, just kind of like, I don't know, get them all, uh, sewn together or something like that. And that way it's just kind of a good, uh, you know, memento piece where you can remember all the, all the GPs you went to and all the things you did at them. Kind of, uh, you know, your gushy, uh, sentimental moment for the day. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not terribly sure. I just, I, I love the artwork and I think it's kind of cool. I still have the, I still have the Dark Confidant Boston playmat. Um, I don't even know what the hell I do with these things, you know, but I did, when I, was that it? When we went to TJ's for that, um, you know, win TJ's money thing, I think mm-hmm. I think I sat down and I opened up the Deathrite Scotty playmat, and one of the other guys looked over and he's like, "Wow, man, Legacy players have the coolest playmats!" <laughs> like, hell yeah! <laughs> like, yeah, my my, you know, I may not foil out like, all right, there are some Legacy players that do foreign foil out their decks, um, and, and go completely pimp with them, and that's not me, but I do have uh I, I do. Legacy players definitely like their mats. Well, it's kind of the thing is like a lot of standard players don't run mats because the cards they're playing with aren't that expensive, so they're not super super concerned with protecting them. Whereas legacy players are, you know, I have a couple mortgage payments in my backpack, so when I lay it on a table, you better bet it's being you know presented in a nice fancy manner. Mm, mm. Uh, so legacy players definitely love their fancy mats, and it's also customizable. I've noticed a increasing trend is with websites like Inked Playmats, which let you design your own playmat. Uh, people are like super customizing and uh, just you know doing uh, you know what they want that it reflects their personality. It's actually funny. Uh, one of our friends has a Archer playmat where he just uploaded uh, one of the intro, you know, the cartoon show Archer. Yeah. Um, so he uh, uploaded that image, and he goes to GP New Jersey, sits down, unrolls the uh, playmat, and the person sitting next to him has the same playmat, just slightly different photoshops. Mm-hmm. They had both uploaded the same image from the TV show and got it printed on mats, and they just happened to sit next to each other at the GP. And you, you know what would have been even cuter? <laughs> Is if they were both playing the same deck, too. Oh yes, and they're both on blue, red, Delver. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, that happened to me at uh, at uh, GPDC. Both me and my opponent had the same sleeves, both double sleeved, both running the same exact list. We were running uh, blue uh, Esper when uh, True Name Nemesis had just come out. Okay. And so we're like, all right, we have to be really, really careful not to mix up uh, cards, otherwise we're both getting game losses. I think you you have extra cards and I have missing cards. I think we actually had different sleeves, but I definitely remember that day where um, we both sat down, we both had the Washington D.C. GP playmat, and we were both playing ten fins. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ah, uh, man. I think uh, you beat me in that one because I did a pull from Eternity and you shallow graved my Grizzle Brand in response to my shallow grave after the pull from Eternity. No, no, that's not what happened. No? No. Uh, you re- you uh, reanimated Grizzle Brand, got Emrakul on the field, and went to swing with both, but Grizzle Brand didn't have haste. So I went to three, and then I was able to Lotus Petal Dark Ritual Tendrils. Uh, is that what happened? Yeah, because you went to like a sneak attack sideboard. Oh, I'm thinking of a game prior to this. 
this is this is like a year before that match. I remember that match. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen you cast Pull from Eternity. Actually, as far as I remember too, you used to say like Pull from Eternity, get that out of that deck. That's not a combo. Dave, what are you no, doing are you, with that thing? Are you joking? I own a playset of foil uh, Chinese Pull from Eternity. Oh, I think the card's freaking cute. Somebody said uh, recently. Wait, was it you? Somebody had said it to me down at the GP that Pull from Eternity is one of the cards that Mark Rosewater wish was never printed. Really? Yeah, because, like, that's, that's not... Um, and I don't know why they would have ever printed it then, but, like, it, I mean, it's it's cute with Chrome Mox. It's, it was, it's the only it was thing... Originally, like, it, it was printed for Suspend, because there was a way to counter Suspend cards, because if a card... If, oh. Like, say, Ancestral... Yeah, that's a little sideboard trick for you. If you, if you, you, trick, if you trick buying the trigger... They can't cast it, right? Well, no, not even. It, it puts a card that's exiled into their graveyard. So say they have Ancestral Visions with one time counter on it. You pull from Eternity. It removes it, puts it in their graveyard. It effectively counters their uh, their suspend cards. I got so it. So that's why pull from Eternity was originally printed. Okay. But no, I've, that I've makes always sense, loved then. Tinfins. And, uh, I've always loved pull from Eternity and Tinfins. Oh, okay. I thought I remembered you, I thought I remembered you knocking the card like back before I started playing the deck. Oh no! I I I got I got foil pull for maternities because I like that card so much. Mm. It also looks beautiful in foil. I can imagine. I mean, it's it's such an it's such a random card. Like nobody nobody expects it. You know, it's and for me for me it's the only thing I can think of to cut like. And this has been my debate in playing it is when I'm playing against a blue red Delver deck or when I'm really playing against a Delver deck in general, I am expecting to see. Uh, surgical extraction because that will flip that Delver anyway, whereas Grafdigger's Cage will not. So, out of I've, out of I've, go ahead. Oops, sorry, go ahead. No. Oh, I was just I was just gonna say quickly. I've noticed Surgical Extraction has really fallen fallen off on value just because it's terrible against uh, Treasure Cruise. Really? Uh, okay, well, yeah, 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 it doesn't have the value against Treasure Cruise, but it still has value against like against the graveyard-based decks like uh, Reanimator, Tin Fins, Dragon. Just Reanimator, though, and it's getting to the point where that's not good enough. You know, with Containment Priest, it's good against uh, Tin Fins, it's good against Reanimator, Sneak and Show, Elves, Dredge, all these decks it's good against. Same kind of with uh, Rest in Peace to a lesser extent and Grafdigger's Cage. Surgical Extraction's really just good against Reanimator. Well, no, you can and still hit the bridge from below. You can, but it doesn't have that same backbreaking effect that a rest in peace does. Dredge can easily play through a surgical extraction, gotcha. but it can't really play through a uh, rest in peace without getting it off the field. Um, so surgical extraction is really just specifically for reanimator, and a lot of players don't like that, so they go for the broader, you know, slower but broader graveyard. Well, yeah, and the one card in the sideboard that that's like. Like like you said, it helps. It doesn't. Need, it's not even a graveyard hate card. It's just it's all inclusive. It encompasses so many decks. Grafter is exactly. phenomenal. But like I keep I keep expecting to see it. I keep expecting to see just because it's a Delver. I'm expecting to see surgical extraction. So I keep siding in pull from eternity just in case because it's the only way I can answer a surgical extraction. And sure, that resolves. And now I just get it back anyway. Yeah, I would only really side in pull from eternity against Deathrite Shaman. That's where it really shines is against Deathrite Shaman decks. Yeah, against Deathrite Shaman too. Uh, Deathrite Deathrite Shaman to a lesser extent scavenging ooze. I just can't beat a scavenging ooze. Not out of an elf deck. I, I can't get around the amount of mana they have. Yeah, because you need to have yeah, scavenging ooze is very difficult. <laughs> scavenging ooze is just terrible. Man, it's I, I've been um twice now hosed because that card hit the field. Once out of like green white some sort of I don't know Maverick Hate Bear whatever it was and then the other one was just um, somebody playing Nick's copy of his elf deck 
Mm-hmm. And he just he green suns into the scavenging ooze, and I just couldn't deal with it. I'm like, D-. and actually, he did it to me also when I was playing Blue Red Delver. He was he was using a scavenging ooze to keep me off a cruise. Yeah, I'm actually really interested. So right now, I just noticed uh, Star City posted uh, all the decks that won the last minute trials on Friday. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking through those, and I'm really shocked at the number of uh, uh, junk Maverick decks that are posted. There's uh, let me see if they have containment priests, but I'm just going through and I'm seeing uh, four copies of Maverick in 16 decks, which is crazy because as far as I thought, Maverick had kind of died off. Um, I don't see any containment priests in this one. Um, they are running natural order though, which is pretty hilarious. Uh, for Rurikthar. Okay, alright, yeah, and I've, I've seen some elf decks doing that too. Yeah, it's pretty backbreaking getting out from underneath a Rurikthar if you're brewing a Delver deck. Yes. Because <laughs> for whatever reason they decided to give that thing, uh, reach too, so you can't even race it. Mm, mm. It has vigilance and reach. <laughs> um, taking a look here. I don't see any Containment Priest, but I'm not that surprised, because Containment Priest hit $50 at the GP. It was ridiculous. $50. That's true name nemesis prices for a sideboard card. <laughs> well, is he... Would you just keep him sideboard, or would you actually like keep one or two main deck and a Stoneforge deck? Oh, I just... Uh, it depends on the deck. I just So one of the Maverick decks managed to get their hands on Containment Priest. Okay. Uh, it depends on the deck. Uh, just because a 2-2 for 2 isn't that good in most decks right. uh, in Legacy. So the games where he's good, he's going to be amazing. The games where he's bad, he's going to be just... A, you might as well have a grizzly bear. Mm. Um, I think the decks that are going to main deck containment priests are the ones that can abuse him. Like, uh, cute interaction that I got pointed out to me was Flicker Wisp plus Containment Priest equals exile your opponent's uh, creature. Yeah. Because Flicker Wisp exiles them, and then when it comes back into play, it comes back into play having not been cast, Mm -hmm. so it just gets exiled permanently. Hmm. So, like, uh, that's a little trick that Death and Taxes can pull off. So, Death and Taxes is the only deck I can think of off the top of my head that would main deck Containment Priests, and even then it's iffy because it shuts down their Vile, which seems to be the infinite debate among uh, Death and Taxes players, I've noticed. Right. Um, but that's not to say that a deck in the future will find a way to uh, kind of combo with Containment Priests some more. And then it's it, any deck that runs white and is thinking about running Rest in Peace should probably just run Containment Priest instead. Because all the decks that Containment Priest beat don't pack removal for creatures. You know, Sneak and Show, Reanimator, uh, Dredge, they don't run creature removal. The only one that comes close is uh, Elves running uh, Rep Decay, and that gets rid of Rest in Peace too. So any deck that's running Rest in Peace should probably also, you know, diversify just because of the uh, Treasure Cruise and Delve cards. Mm-hmm. But as far as the combo decks that abuse the graveyard, the uh, hands-down best card for to beat them is Containment Priest. Out of curiosity, did you happen to see this Landstill deck? Uh, which one? There's actually a couple of in, them I've noticed. In top eight? Uh, in the top eight. Uh, I let me just pull it up here. Yeah, I did see it earlier. I'll put it in the show notes. Sweet. And 
It's it's like Grixis land still. <laughs> oh yeah, I saw this one because it it was running uh, uh what's it called the fairy lands that I hadn't seen in forever. Yeah, fairy conclave. Yep, have not seen a fairy conclave in the longest time. And it's it's so weird because the land still that I've been doing it's been humility with man with man lands. This is like this deck list outside of a couple cards is like ported straight from two thousand and seven. Like outside of Treasure Cruise, uh, Dig Through Time, and Snapcaster Mage, mm-hmm. uh, the entire deck is pretty much from 2007. So it's hilarious to get like a, a blast from the past like this because I remember loving this deck back in the day. Okay, and it went all the way up and through top eight. I really do, you know. And I, I it was talked about before the um, the event itself. And I actually, there's no. There's no Academy Ruins main deck, but there's two Engineered Explosive sideboard, and I've been tempted to try to do something with that myself. Yep, that's what I did in my deck, and in testing, I loved it. Um, Engineered Explosives is really, really good uh, with blowing up uh, Delvers and Young Pyromancer tokens. Uh, it's also just good putting it on one. Uh, I was actually coming up with uh, Karanos, God of Storms. Mm-hmm. So you would put uh, engineered explosives on top, flip the engineered explosives to Karanos, bolt something, play the engineered explosives, and blow it up. Okay. And then just rinse and repeat, and you were just doing three to their face and wiping their board. I think I actually was using it in the blue-red Delver deck at the Die Hard games also. And, mm-hmm. and um, I was able to get an engineered explosives down on one early against the elf deck, and I just I got rid of it too early, and then he comboed out afterwards. I... I I should have held it back longer, um, but it's yeah. It's, it's, a, it's it. I mean, watching, you know, still going back to using it to take out a miracles board. Um, oh yeah, it's great against miracles. It's, it's just there's so many different, you know. And I started looking at how to play Green Sun Zenith through a miracles player also under under their, under a similar guise. You know, where I can mm-hmm. cast a Green Sun Zenith to get six or less and get the Reclamation Sage and blow up the counterbalance. You know, it's just um, the things I'm trying to keep in mind on how to play. Uh, of course, Academy Ruins wouldn't go in my elf deck, but this, it, it's it's a synergy that I do want to be trying out. Um, so this the, the Grixis Landstill deck looked interesting. The other one that I actually really did like to see was that I, I actually did like seeing that, um, you know, number one, Jeskai Stoneblade did not have a Delver. Number two, Infect did not have a Delver. <laughs> number three, Storm did not have a Delver. And then Miracles, Miracles, Landstill, no Delvers. It, Delver didn't show up until it, it's in the top eight, but it's not in the top four. Yeah, but I, yeah, I think a huge part of that is that people were just prepared for Delver this tournament. They were they were ready for it. Yeah. Um, I actually what I actually really liked out of the Landstill deck was Sudden Shock, uh, because that answers the uh, Swiss Spear as well. So sh- Sudden Shock is one colorless and a red for a split second shock. Yep. And what that means is because it has split second, you can target their uh, Swiss Spear and they can't play any spells to pump it. Mm-hmm. Because that's what's so annoying about Swiss Bear is you would go to bolt it and they would go, you know, brainstorm days and okay, put, yeah. that, put that Swiss Bear out of reach. Yeah. You know, they could even daze knowing that you had uh, mana up because they know that you're not able to kill it now because it's a 3-4. And now they're bashing you in the face for three. Mm-hmm. I, t- I took the chance with it. I had I had two Lotus Petals down. Somebody landed a Swift Spear, went to attack, and... What did he do? He went to attack me. Maybe he brainstormed. I'm like, all right, prowess trigger on the stack. I'll sack both. Oh, that's what it was. He he got the swift spear down, 
and then cast Chain Lightning at me. I sacked my two Lotus Petals with his prowess trigger on the st- and, and directed it back to the Swift Spear. Nice. So it was able to take it out. Um, so, and again, again, that was like, you know, put me against a better player with the same deck, and that wouldn't have happened, you know? Right, right. Um, so, th- there's, I think there's, there's definitely a validity to a strong deck, but there's also, I think, a validity to a strong player. You know, I know some, there were, there were some people that went down there with like, well, this is the best deck, and, um, so I'll just take this, but like, there's so many interactions, you're gonna be able to, um, ca- just keep it out. Yeah, to catch up on and, and realize the play. Um, casting Brainstorm is great, uh, doing it without a fetch land hurts. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, you're just like, I need to brainstorm now and just pray to God I hit a land. Oh. And then when you don't hit that land, it's, it's sad. Yeah, I brainstorm locked myself this weekend out of lack of option, really. I never liked the term brainstorm lock because the way I look at it is you're still stuck drawing those three dead cards anyways. And at least this way, you're one card closer. So it's just now you know you're screwed. You're always screwed. <laughs> it's just now you know you're screwed. Yeah, yeah. I just... And, and, and a part of me, actually, I've thought about it a little bit, is would I want to substitute Demir Charm for Limdul's Vault? You know, it... It's not Limdul's Vault's too powerful, you know, for for what I'm yeah. doing. But the mirror channel, like, that can help avoid that brainstorm lock when you need to target yourself. Um, I did see I did see Bob Huang made it into top 16, which yeah, congrats to Bob, yeah, uh, a, one of our one of our first guests. Yeah, um, and I'm really tempted to see. You know, I was looking at the actual top um, Stoneforge deck, the Jeskai, was it? Yeah, Jeskai Stoneblade. I was tempted to try to see if I wanted to put that together because that looks really out of my wheelhouse. You know, I am so used to playing. I'm so used to playing a quick combo deck now that if a game goes longer than five minutes, I think I lost interest. I have like this ADD <laughs> that just uh, has has me lost. So I want to see if I can start to play another type of a deck. You know, that brings me back towards the game length of like the mid range that uh, Shardless Bug was, mm-hmm. and, and see if I can bring myself to quit smoking again. <laughs> there we go. You hear that player's magic uh, better than the patch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just another drug. All right. <laughs> Yep, exactly. Well, with that, I think that's a good place to wrap things up. Yeah. Uh, definitely a good debrief after the tournament. Uh, you know, if you made it to GP New Jersey, you knew how awesome it was. If you didn't, uh, we're going to do it all again next year. Hopefully, I'll see some of you guys out at Seattle. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, so with that, um, who, anybody you want to scoop in a top eight, Jerry? Uh, I'm gonna scoop in the top eight. My opponent, I literally scooped two <laughs> at the GP. Uh, I, his name was Timir. Uh, he's a German player, and he was playing one of the most pimp decks I've ever seen. You know, foreign border, black border, uh, 
uh, dual lands, foil everything. And we played to a draw, and I ended up scooping him in so he could move on instead of us both losing out. And he was just a super nice guy. He was from Germany. Uh, just, you know, we, we, after the match ended, uh, we, you know, talked for like 15 minutes about just magic in Europe, and he was just a good guy, so hopefully I'll run into him again in the future. Yeah, right. And, uh, I think for me, you know, similar lines, Jerry, you know, um, I'm gonna scoop in a top eight, a foreign gentleman that I met at, uh, SCG Worcester, and, uh, SCG, um, sorry, Grand Prix Boston, and now Grand Prix New Jersey, uh, from Brazil. His name was Mario. And I met him at, uh, SCG Worcester. He was playing the most pimped out Bug Delver deck I have ever seen. Man, these foreign nationals just got the pimped decks. It was, it was like the week after the, the Judge Promo Force of was released and he had a play set in his deck. I'm like, Jesus, this guy really <laughs> likes this deck. And then I saw him at SCG, Bo- at, uh, Grand Prix Boston, and he was doing modern and he had his, Legacy with him. We were doing some Legacy too, and he, he kept asking me. He's like, "Am I going to see you in New Jersey? I want to see you in New Jersey." So I went down to New Jersey and I saw him, and I said, "Are you still playing that pimped out deck?" "Oh no, I'm not doing that Bug Delver deck." No. So he, like, <laughs> so he, but he had put an, apparently another one together, and he came up with his wife and kids, and uh, a really a really great guy, um, really nice guy to talk to, and we yeah. we shared some contact information and stuff. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, definitely some great people to play Legacy with, you know. Yeah, that's why we do it. I mean, that's why you fly out to the the events. It's it's not about the tournament per se, as just you know the experience and seeing the people that you don't usually get to see. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, ho- hopefully we'll see all of you guys at uh, event real soon. You know, come up and see us. You know, we're friendly. Yeah. Uh, you can find me uh, J- uh, Jamie three RD on Twitter. Oh, we got a show outro that does that stuff now. Buddy. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> we're the- we're in the 22nd century. Yeah, this is episode 8, but I know we got that stuff kind of going. Um, but you could definitely, you know, we got we got legacy that happens in the Worcester area. Um, and other than that, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, uh, feel free. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good one, guys. The tournament is over and the store is closing. Feel free to see us during normal business hours by emailing the show at leavingalegacymtg at gmail.com. You can also find the host on Twitter with Adrian at Mathema Trickster and Jerry at JMEE3RD. You can also join the Leading a Legacy Facebook group to stay connected. Okay, I'm actually sick. Oh, that sucks, dude. Yeah, I got it from a uh, fucking burn player. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, I, I remember the guy, too. I sat across from him, and he's like, I'm a little sick. <laughs> so I fucking <laughs> crushed him with 10 fins to probably a 30-second game, and I still got sick from him. <laughs>